Welcome to Believe. My name is Nicholas Upchurch. I am really, really pumped today. We have MC Lobsher from CashflowNinja.com and also ValhallaWealth.com. He's going to help us with money and business, true success. We're going to get some world news in. And again, our website is believe.love. Our YouTube is youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. And find us on iTunes at believeitunes.com. MC, how are you today, sir? Fantastic. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be on your show, Nicholas. I'm honored to have you too. So MC is a wealth strategist. He's an educator. He's a financial freedom fighter. He's the founder and president of Valhalla Wealth Financial. And he's the host of the popular business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja, which has some really great interviews we're gonna get into. His mission is to help as many people as possible eliminate the control of banks and financial institutions in terms of how they control their lives. And so he's gonna help us build wealth in a variety of ways outside of Wall Street. Is that correct, MC? That's absolutely correct. Cool. So, MC, in terms of money and business, you have had some really awesome podcast guests at CashflowNinja.com. And by the way, you can go to CashflowNinja.com and you can grab some free gifts. For example, if you enter your email address there, and this is actually free, you get three of the top 10 books ever written on building wealth. Think and Grow Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon, The Science of Getting Rich. So I actually entered my email address there. It's completely free. There's no catches. But MC, I saw on your podcast, you interviewed people like Robert Kiyosaki from uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, very famous guy. Jim Rogers, a really amazing investor. I think he's done a lot, I believe, in China. Nathan Chan. Um, he's from Founder Magazine. What have you learned, MC, from these business leaders in, e- in terms of either starting a business or growing your business? Yeah, I think from a business, um, you know, obviously very honored to, to interview these, these guys and, and learn from them and many different guests that, that, that have been on there. I think um, the mindset, you know, if you, their mindset is just incredible and in the way that they think and how they view and see themselves and their companies and the vision that they have for their life is where they all start. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that I've learned from them because mindset is about 80% of uh, the, the, the journey and uh, 20% is the mechanics and the tactics of actually how to ex- implement and execute it. So they know exactly where they're going. They have a vision for their own life. And then they also have a vision for their business. The other thing that I learned from them too is they all have very, very strong um, missions for their business. You mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. Their mission statement of the Rich Dad Company is to elevate the financial well-being of humanity. Now that is a very, very inspirational and powerful uh, vision that they have and mission. And, uh, you know, mission is the spiritual, spiritual part of it. And so that's the one thing that I've, that I've seen from all of these, these quote unquote cash flow ninjas. Um, they have a vision for their life and for their family of where they want to go. They have an extremely strong mission of what they want to set out and achieve and what value they want to provide to the world. And then when it comes to the implementation and tactics, they're pretty clear and focused. Focus. That's another thing. They focus 
on one thing, you know, follow one course until successful. Um, and that's what they do. They have a very strong focus. Um, and I try to implement that lesson in my own life too, because, you know, we live in a world where there's so much information around us. We get distracted every single day by whatever's going on in social media, the media itself, television, you know, um, so very, very important to be focused. And what keeps you focused in that order is, is having that strong mission that drives you. Do you think that both with women and men that that mission would be important or is that a male thing from what you've seen? No, I think it's men and women. Um, I've had unbelievable, uh, extremely successful females on my, yeah, on, on, on my show. Mm -hmm. And they have been just, they just have just as strong as a mission as the, the males do. So I think it's spiritual. So regardless whether you're male or female, I think a mission, uh, is an extremely strong thing for your business and your life. And then I would also add to that your why. Um, you're, because as you know, Nicholas, you know, you go through ups and downs and there's many things that happen in on this journey. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, but if that mission is strong enough and the why, which is back to that vision for your life, uh, I think that fuels you, um, moving forward and, and onto the path of eventual success. So you mentioned it was spiritual. Does, is there a common thread because I love that. I love, we've talked a lot about that. We talked, you and I talked about that on your show as well. I was on your show. I recommend everybody check out cashflowninja.com. It's a really cool show with some amazing guests. And um, so MC, in terms of spirituality, in terms of the tie-in with money and business, have you picked up anything? I mean, how does that help? It's. It sounds like it's their purpose and, and then there's something more to it. Have you picked up on anything or maybe there's something for you that that's becoming apparent about sort of your business becoming your your spiritual purpose or a spiritual tie in as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, th and that's the other thing that I've learned from from these cash flow ninjas is, you know, they know the secret um, and the secret to the the energy in the universe, basically, that the more value that they produce for others and the more value that they put out there, the more value flows back into their own lives. And we all have different currencies. It's not necessarily money. It could be friendships, et cetera. But the producing for others, they know that if they're strong, their mission's strong, uh, their purpose is strong, uh, their why is strong, and their um, their driven by this this mission and purpose uh, and they focus on producing for others and value that the money is eventually going to come it's just a byproduct of this pr producing for others and this value that they've produced for other people so i think that's how they see it robert kiyosaki said the rich don't work for money and it's so true when you have um you know, very, very wealthy people on the on the show, like Jim Rogers, who um, actually uh, was uh, George Soros's partner at the Quantum Fund. So we're talking a lot of money here, and it's not just the money for for these folks. It has a lot to, more to the, uh, to that, um, and that's where the spirituality comes in of producing for other others and producing value for others. Um, and they just know the law of the universe that's going to come into their back into their lives in many different ways. 
And Jim Rogers, he's a, a billion dollar investor, right? I mean, he's a billionaire, I think, correct? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. a very, very successful investor. I think um, in his in his career, he retired at, at 37 the first time around. Um, kind of the Indiana Jones uh, of finance character, traveling around the world on a, on a motorcycle, and the second time around on a custom-built Mercedes. So... Um, very, very generous with his time too, uh, loves the educational part of it, um, and shares his journey through his books and interviews and so forth. That's the other thing that I've learned about these, these folks too, is they're extremely giving, uh, with their knowledge and their time. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they love to give back in many different ways. And MC is very generous for sharing his time with us at, uh, again, cashflowninja.com. You can listen to all these interviews. MC, is there something that a common thread in terms of stories that you've heard or what you recommend in terms of taking action? Because we have that, you know, we have that purpose, but if somebody's doubting themselves, if somebody feels like maybe they're not reaching their full potential, have you heard anything that's helped people really kind of get over the hump, kind of like take the next step in their life and, and take the leap they need to take and have confidence in themselves from, from any of these people or just things you found yourself? No, that's a very good question. And I would say from all of the guests that I've had, and I've had many guests from many different backgrounds, male, female, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And we are all unique. We're all different. We all have a special gift. We all have a unique talent. We all have a different story and different life experiences. And we have all, uh, we all have different personality traits. So as far as uh, business personalities or just investing personalities or our relationship to money and risk itself. We all have different relationships in that way to, to those, to those concepts. So I don't think there's necessarily one shoe or that fits all, uh, to use that analogy. I think that there are some folks that, um, are more risk adverse and they start slowly. They build small, maybe they have their own, uh, their own still, they maintain their job because they like their job. And some people love their own job, you know, not necessarily everybody wants to be a, you know, this Richard Branson type of uh, entrepreneur. And, you know, everybody has its own path, of course. So if maybe they love their job and they start doing something part-time until it grows into a business, you know, um, the side hustle is, is the word that a lot of folks use. Um, and I'd Nick Loper on from side hustle nation. He, he was someone that has many, many different side hustles and help people do their side hustles while maintaining their own, uh, yeah, their own day job. And then you do have more folks that aren't as risk adverse that save up money and then they would go out on their own. You have folks that are ready to the, to uh, to get into it right away and do it. So I wouldn't say that there's necessarily one path that is unique and like the road to success. Um, but it's been interesting to see many people have different stories in the way that they've gone about it. I, my advice would be for every person that's out there is very, it's very, very important to know yourself. And especially uh, Nicholas, as you know, in, in these times, it's very, very important to know yourself and your relationship to all of these concepts because um, you live with yourself every day. You spend the most amount of time with you from anybody. So it's really important to know what uh, your talents are, what your strengths, your weaknesses are, what your personality is. Um, and then also 
what your vision is and what your goals uh, may be, because that's another thing, right? Some some people might just want to build something on the side uh, or a business that becomes something that they could replace their their current employment with um, and have them, quote unquote, be financially free, maybe through generating cash flow streams from certain assets. Um, and some people want to be the next Richard Branson or Robert Kiyosaki and so forth. So we all have different roads to to walk on. But the, I would say know yourself and don't be afraid to, 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 to take action by starting small. There are many different businesses that you can start with basically zero out-of-pocket costs um, almost. I can use an example of, uh, you know, there there are many different uh, listeners that share their journeys with me. It could be as simple and small as starting an online T-shirt store where you have a designer create a logo for you or something unique of a field that you're interested in or a demographic that you know pretty well and uh, open up something on like teespring.com, a T-shirt store and and sell your T-shirts to other people on there. So the logo you can grab for, say, $5 at Fiverr.com. Um, you could get a couple of designers competing on your business there. So, And then the, the design is free on that website and the selling. So then you just need to learn marketing skills. So that's the amazing thing about today. We live in amazing times. You and I have spoken about this. We're com communicating right now through the internet. We connected through the internet. Um, there's people probably listening to this uh, from all over the world, from different backgrounds. So the world is an amazing place as far as opportunity. We only have to open our eyes to see it uh, and not be afraid to learn a skill set to be able to execute and implement these uh, these goals and dreams that we have. And be willing to start small. You don't necessarily have to burn everything behind you. Um, you know, sail to uh, an island that you've never been to and and burn quote unquote your boats. Uh, so you can take small incremental steps. So small victories and know yourself. I agree with both of those things, and I've used them, and those help us stay motivated because things can get tough. I think adaptation, probably one thing that I know maybe people in business might not mention as much as they should, but they certainly do in Silicon Valley when I've gone out there in terms of looking into the venture capital scene and the startup scene, basically that almost no business that puts forward uh, an executive summary to an angel investor or is working with the VC, they wanna know how can the people actually running the business adapt. And I think that happens in both, you mentioned Teespring, so if Facebook ads stop being profitable, if you can't run Teespring profitably on Facebook, how else can you sell T-shirts? And I think knowing yourself is so important because we, we have a certain amount of time and money and we have a realistic skill level. I mean, so sometimes you can get started where things are good enough, um, but sometimes what we think is good enough isn't. I know for myself, I've had to adjust a lot and continue to adjust because I know certain things might not be working. I thought it might be a good idea, but the reality is I was wrong. And then sometimes it's good to get opinions, but listen, also when we get those opinions, sometimes those people are wrong. It's sort of a, the, the biggest thing in business probably is sales and customer satisfaction. I mean, that's what actually ends up talking and building a relationship even before you try to sell something. So I love that. So we're talking with MC Lobsher. He is the founder and president of Valhalla Wealth Financial. That's 
at ValhallaWealth.com, V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A, Wealth.com. Tell us, if you would, MC, tell us please about the uh, Valhalla Wealth and the infinite banking concept, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So what we do is we help clients uh, establish and create and build their wealth outside of Wall Street. So uh, many people are familiar with Wall Street and all the, the, the products and services that they offer. And there's a lot of commonalities uh, with most of these products. Financial inst- banking and financial institutions want your money. They want it pretty often and regularly. They want to keep it for as long as they possibly can. And then when they give it back to you, they want to give it back to you slowly over time or as little as possible. You know, John Bogle <laughs> from the Vanguard Group has discussed um, how some of these qualified retirement plans, just the fees itself can eat up almost two thirds of your wealth in these plans. So you have to understand uh, and, and, and know what the problem is, and then you have to come up with solutions. So the solution that we have, and you mentioned the infinite banking concept, is we help to establish and create a cash flow management system for our clients that reclaim the banking function within their own lives. I've mentioned banking and financial institutions. Um, as we could look at all the problems there are with them, we also have to acknowledge and uh, say that that's a very, very, very profitable business model that they have. Usually in most major cities, it's the biggest buildings uh, that are out there. That's right. Um, and banks and, and financial institutions are very, very profitable. So what principles do they have in their own uh, business model that we can uh, employ in our own lives to reclaim, quote unquote, that banking function? Um, so I'll just give a little uh, over, uh, example yeah, exactly. of how a basic banking system works. So usually there's a deposit side of where people deposit money into a bank. Now, that's not the most profitable side of the banking model. Um, they pay their clients really nothing right now on, what is it now, 0.001% or something right. like that on deposits. Hardly any. So that's not necessarily their profitable side either. The profitable side is on the other side, which is the lending side. So as people put money in, into banks, they turn it over as quickly as possible and lend it out on the other side. Just to give you uh, an illustration uh, or an example with round numbers rather, and let's round it up and say you deposit $10,000 into a bank and they pay you 1% on, on those deposits. Well, that's about $100 that, that, that they're paying you. And let's, for example, say they take that same amount, that $10,000, and they lend it out, and they get 10% on that money from the person that they lend this money to. Now, most people would say, would say that is a fantastic model, and that's, you know, they're making a 9% spread. But if you really break down the numbers and think that it only costs the bank $100, basically, to have been able to make thousand dollars in the interest payment that they got so that's 900 so in effect they made 900 percent on that transaction and that's very basic that's without fractional reserve yeah banking. i was gonna say and, they yeah, don't have to and, keep that much money goes, even in the bank <laughs> ex- exactly so then it's you can 10x that uh depending on what bank you are depending on your deposit requirements um 
that that you have to have by regulation. So that's just the basic uh, model and example of how profitable that is. Now, how can we use a similar structure in our own life? So what we do is we actually use dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. Now, there might be listeners or viewers out there that are rolling their eyes. Yeah, you have to break that one down to me. I Go ahead. Absolutely. So I'll break it down because I rolled my eyes the first time I I saw this concept or this strategy. I think the first thing that we have to just uh, look at it is insurance. And this is also a mindset shift, right? Insurance is just another vehicle, just like real estate, just like commodities, just like businesses and just like digital assets that we have now too. Bitcoin, right. So it's the same vehicle. So it depends about the strategy and the investor, right? I've had a real estate property that I made a complete mess of. Sure. <laughs> and I it was a disaster. Well. And then I had a real estate property that did pretty well and produced cash flow. And that was all beca- because I became a better investor and had better strategies and techniques and execution in the second one. So when it comes to dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company, There's a difference between a mutual insurance company and just a stock insurance company. So stock insurance companies are listed on the stock exchanges. Um, Their shareholders are stockholders of the company. So as most companies listed on these stock exchanges, they're managed very aggressively to produce for their stockholders. And these guys have quarters to produce, right, to get that earnings report out and get those financials out to increase the value of the stock for them. Mutual insurance companies have been around since the mid-1800s. They're managed extremely conservatively. Um, They have a very long-term range and view of how they're managed. Um, These companies are extremely well capitalized. Some of them have millions, some of them have billions of dollars in excess reserves, which means even if all of the claims that that, that, that would come against them for death benefit, if that's paid out, they would be able to do that and also have excess money available. The reason why we use this vehicle, and it's, I just wanna say too, this is a specialized uh, created sort of of whole life insurance. This is not uh, a cookie cutter uh, model that's sold on the street to most of the public. It's There's a lot of differences in, on how this is designed, but we take a chassis of dividend paying whole life insurance and the, u- the reason that we use this for the deposit side is that the money that's paid in there is guaranteed. There's a guaranteed interest on that and then there's also an opportunity to earn dividends because when you are a uh, policyholder of a mutual insurance company, you are also a shareholder in the company. So if the company's overall profit- profitable, you get to participate in the form of dividends as opposed to the stock guys, which just sees their stock go up. Um, the other thing is the growth inside, I, oh, the, uh, before I just wanna state it too, that dividends is not guaranteed Uh, But these companies have paid them for 100 years consecutively during the Great Depression. Some of the carriers right now have paid the same amount of dividends for the last nine years straight through throughout the last financial crisis. Um, And the growth inside these plans is tax free. Hmm. So I just want to state that, too, because it's one of the biggest wealth destroyers out there, Nicholas, as you as you know, taxes. I mean, I think you sell it or when you get out of it, do you have to pay taxes like an IRA or is there a penalty? No. So there's not there's there's strategies to withdraw money from that tax free as well. So in 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 our overall planning with our clients, you know, 
I don't encourage anybody never ever to not pay taxes. Please pay your That's taxes. Right. But you don't have illegally. to leave Uncle Sam a tip. And the other thing is we'd like to pay uh, taxes on the seed, not the harvest. So these vehicles allow you to take after-tax dollars to put it in there and um, enjoy the tax-free growth. The powerful side of it, though, is where this really comes into is the system, right? To systematize this is the lending side that it has. So as a shareholder in a mutual insurance company, um, through owning a policy from them, you have the opportunity to borrow money with your cash value as collateral and your death benefit, but up until your cash value from the general account of the insurance company. So it's not from your, like an IRA or a qualified retirement fund. It's not, it's not borrowing from your own account and your account is drawn down. So there's two separate ta transactions on two separate sides of this. So what that allows you to do is, is have your money working in two places, quote unquote, simultaneously, because on the one side, your money is safe, secure, and a very well capitalized institution. And institutional risk right now is probably one of the biggest financial risks out there. So you have it in a very well capitalized institution, growing predictably with certainty over time, every year rolled up. What, uh, have, with, the, with, what have the growth rates been? For this, for um, returns. So th these companies right now is between six and eight percent, depending on which carrier you look at. They're all different, um, and I would also say that it, it's traditionally extremely low be, uh, compared to historical uh, performance because we are in such a low is it uh, environment right now. Is it it's an in yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So so that's so that's where they're currently at. But I think the power becomes on the lending side, too, because, again, the yeah, bank you, doesn't just get wealthy because of the, the deposit side. Right. Right? It's combining the deposit with their operations of the lending. So on the lending side, you have an opportunity to borrow money. Most of them are on 5% right now. Um, and then utilize that into other assets. So what we do is we structure these plans. Uh, we, we're part of the planning process overall. Um, we look at our goals of our clients. That's, there's no cookie cutter pro, uh, products. Um, you know, we're not a, a, a wealth management firm that's going to ask you what's your, what's your risk uh, profile <laughs> and sell you a bunch of mutual funds. We actually look at your financial goals, where you want to go, um, and, and, and see how we can um, partner this with investments such as real estate, turnkey real estate opportunities, which we, uh, there's a network of, uh, of them out in the United States, and then also commodities, um, and then paper assets, safe trading assets, uh, like covered calls for predictable cash flow in the stock market. But um, if you combine this with, with the next level, um, that's when you see the multiplier effect. And that's what banks do. That's what the wealthiest families do in the world. Um, that's kind of how I came across this. Uh, I all I did was, you know, we have we've spoken about sports before. That's right. Um, you be, uh, performing in the foot world of football. Um, I played competitive rugby and representative oh, rugby wow. for many years sport. in the United States. And what I did when I was a rugby player is I just tried to study the best players that was out there and try to do what they did. You know, it didn't necessarily turn me into you know a Springbok or an All Black uh, rugby player. But it, it did help me in my game at that stage. It's the same uh, same approach, studying what the richest families are doing, um, how they combine. Their techniques, right. 
yeah, they, they're combining things because I think, and then making inroads in your own life to do that, because I think a good analogy is when you buy a home, right? You just don't, or when you build a home, rather, you just don't drive to a lumber yard and pick up a bunch of lumber and now you're gonna go build your, your home, right? Sure. You have a contractor and you have an architect that structures it and, and has many different parts that they put all together. A wealth plan is like that too. We do the financial piece, the foundational piece that is the nucleus of the plan for you where you build up these uh, this capital in this quote unquote bullet fund. And then you can also utilize that through strategies to implore this into real estate investing and other investments to then multiply it. The other big thing that we do too um, is college planning, which is huge and it's actually very, very fulfilling as a professional because um, it has to do with legacy planning. It has to do with the families um, setting this up Grand, grandparents and parents setting this up for their children, um, which is very, very fulfilling to see this. Um, these vehicles also compared to products out in the marketplace like Wall Street products, um, 529 plans, for instance, where you have no control over your money. Uh, there, there's still market risk tied to that, so there's no safety. Um, so, And it counts against the financial aid that you would receive this is a vehicle where, and it's a mindset because it's your money. You put it in there. You're allowed to exit, access it along the way. There are, there again, there's a vehicle. There are certain things that you obviously cannot do, but it's not like a 401k or an RA where you're just looking for laws and rules of how to access it, when you can touch it, how much you can put in there, how much you can take out, what you need to do. This isn't like that. It's a complete different mindset switch to where it's your money, you access it along the way to put it to many different uses as an emergency fund, as college planning for your children, um, as a retirement vehicle, and then as a vehicle to utilize to start your own business to invest in real estate and so forth. Well, I really recommend people obviously look into this because, you know, MC has had at CashflowNinja.com, that's his where his show is, he's interviewed Jim Rogers, a billionaire investor, Nathan Chan, who founded uh, Founder Magazine, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I think there's some credibility here in terms of going over to Valhalla Wealth, that's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A, wealth.com, and at least checking it out. It, to me, there's some legitimacy to what he's saying. Obviously, people are going to have questions and more, and they could listen to this interview again and then ask questions. That's what he's he's there for. And depending on, of course, if you're investing a lot of money, but it sounds like a real, uh, there's some legitimacy, a legitimate thing that would be worth looking into and doing your own research. And that's what MC would help you do there. And again, we're talking to MC Lobsher from CashflowNinja.com and Valhalla Wealth. He's the president and founder of Valhalla Wealth Financial. And we wanna to get to a couple more cool things here. We have a bit of time left with MC. MC, in terms of money and business, what is going on right now with the stock market, which is sky high, and then the real estate market? Yeah, the, those are all very good questions. So um, we are obviously at historical highs in markets all over the world, the Dow um, at the time that you and I are communicating was over 20,000 for the first time. So we there's a lot of things going on there. Um, I have to say that in the, 
a lot of people, um, including myself, probably saw a downturn uh, with a President Trump election. Um, that the complete opposite has happened. Uh, it's kind of invigorated it and had it taken off towards the end of last year. I would say even before that, I would have said the markets are completely overvalued. And by if you really look at the Just technicals, at the it's probably yeah, yeah it's probably. Um, even more overvalued right now than it was before the dot-com bust in the 2000s. Are they setting us up for uh, a big crash, or is this going to continue to go if we have lower corporate taxes and jobs come back? What do you think is happening? Those are all very good questions, because I think one of the reasons why a lot of the companies' stock has gone up is because of the share buybacks. So for the listeners and viewers out there, um, companies have the ability, because the interest rates are so low, to borrow money uh, and then buy back their own stock in their companies on the stock market. And that kind of creates that artificial demand, and then it's a supply and demand issue, which brings the stock up. Um, yeah, if, if regulations are going to be cut the way that it's going to be cut, if jobs are going to come back, there's definitely a, a, a Trump uh, X factor, I will definitely say that, in the markets currently. Um, but, you know, my opinion is that the structural uh, problems that the global economy has the, and the, the markets itself has, it hasn't, it hasn't gone away. And, uh, you know, it, it, no one has really looked and see what the real big pro problems and issues are. You know, Warren Buffett called uh, derivatives the weapons of, of mass destruction, basically. Um, and we could have seen a little bit of, of problems starting to originate in the Italian banks, which have gotten a bailout, um, just not as announced as, uh, as others. Um, continuous bailout, actually. I didn't and then know that. Look I knew they yeah, were in then, trouble. Though. Then look at the, the problems and the issues that with Deutsche Bank. Um, Deutsche Bank was in, in, in a lot of big problems. You know, I used to joke around on my show and said, speaking about The Walking Dead, you know, you, that, what a zombie bank. If there ever was a zombie what bank. What happened with them? Because I heard it was supposed to fail as well. You know, there's a lot of issues. And, and again, we don't get into the back of it and we don't get to see how the sausage is made. So we get snippets here and there in the media, folks coming out saying that their exposure is is incredible. There's a lot of bad um, uh, quote unquote transactions that they have on their books that they don't know how to eliminate. So there's a lot of different things going on there. Um, so not quite 100 percent sure. But as far as the 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 markets itself, I think it's completely overvalued. Um, it might go up a little bit further. We're definitely due for a correction at some stage. Um, you think it's going to be a big correction? What do you think? It's hard to say. I mean, this it's is very hard to say. I mean, we're kind of in uncharted territory, right? You can't. Uh, the markets right now is not the same as the markets that they've that they've been previously. So, um, I'm looking on with interest. I'm, I think right now, from an investment point of view, and the same with real estate. Real estate markets all over the world is very overvalued. I think it's a time for capital preservation. I think it's a time for having your money in, in safe places. Um, it's, it's a time to sit down and look at protecting your assets rather than trying to chase that lost little bump up in a market or even in buying real estate in overheated markets. So I would uh, tell people proceed with caution. Um, you know, 
there are many wild card events. Nobody can predict the future. Nobody can predict, you know, you can look at where the trends are right now. And I can say that this is yeah, a very, very much unsustainable. I think I've been saying so for the last year and a half, maybe even more. Um, Me too. So uh, where it goes from here, I'm not quite sure. But we, I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least a correction of some sorts this year, as uh, the Fed has indicated that they were going to raise interest rates. Yes, I thought three times I should short the stock market last year, starting at the beginning of the year. I didn't do it each time, including election night, and I didn't do it, and I would have lost each time. So it's just hard to say. So I appreciate that insight, and I think you're right to sit on the sidelines. And in terms of real estate, I could say, having been a broker and owned a brokerage, that it's going to take, if it continues to pop up, that moves a little bit slower sometimes. You're going to know. You're going to know, you're going to have some, right now prices are stagnant, at least in Miami and in many places, at least on the, the high end of the market. So I yeah. think you're going to see it if for some reason something happens where people view the U.S. as safe, they make it easier to invest in the U.S., corporate tax rates are down, you're going to see. But we have a lot of supply of condos being added to the market in Miami, and that's what happened uh, in 2007, 2008. So... Again, we're talking to MC Lobsher. He's so generous with his time. Cashflowninja.com. MC, you're a financial expert. In terms of world news, I know there's a lot more to you. You, you look into things. You analyze things. You're aware. You, you interview uh, top flight guests on your podcast. Robert Kiyosaki, we've mentioned. Jim Rogers, a billionaire investor. What's going on in the world? What are your thoughts on worldwide? Um, what is... What is what is going on out there? What should we make of everything? What, you know, in terms of maybe spiritually, you mentioned that earlier in the show in a different segment, what should we make of things in the world today? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of folks that are unhappy uh, globally. I think it's a global problem. Uh, it's just expressed in different ways. I think that uh, the yeah, the, the average person on, on the street has been forgo forgotten in many different ways. Um, and I think that's expressed in different ways. We look at what happened in the United States with the popularity and the Trump movement. Uh, we look at the Brexit shock that happened in the UK. We look at the rise in popularity of Marine Le Pen in the French election, which is this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Gert Wilders, the, 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 one of the candidates for president uh, in the Netherlands, they have a big election coming up. We look at the referendum in Italy. We look at popularity of a lot of movements and growing growing movements, um, which are called populist movements, quote unquote. Sure. Um, so folks are definitely definitely unhappy. Even in Iceland, they they had the the rise of the the pirate party. So I think that they folks almost are, won, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So folks are folks are unhappy. What's going on? Uh, they have different ways of expressing it. Um, I think. The establishment and the, the quote unquote ruling elite in a lot of different places in the world really didn't really take notice with the Brexit shock. And I think even with the, the Trump uh, election, uh, nobody's really sat back and thought to themselves, why? Why is this happening? Um, they've kind of pushed back harder, which only makes it worse and angers people more, I think. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of anger. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There's a lot of big changes coming up. I, you know, I'm, I, like Gerald Salente, one of my guests on my podcast would say, uh, he's a political atheist. I'm the same. I have to be, I look at it from an, from an analyst's uh, point of view. Um, 
And from that point of view, um, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of these elections, I would usually say it's just business as usual. It's just a confirmation of the direction where the country was headed. I think in a lot of different parts in the world, uh, things have changed, um, actually. We'll see how big the change is. Um, you know, uh, obviously, there's a lot of rhetoric, and you can't take <laughs> – if I've learned one right. thing in my life, uh, you can't believe everything everybody says, especially when they're running for office. You can That's almost true. believe nothing when they say when they run for office, right? So we'll see if these changes are actually being implemented. If it doesn't, we're just going to have people getting uh, more angry and more angry. Um, what can and we do that, about that? that, that hate? I mean – what can we do? Because even though there might be some people know something's going on, whether whether they hate Trump, love Trump, hate Obama, love Obama or Clinton or whoever, they know something is going on. They're not sure maybe who to hate. Half the people hate both. What can we do to bridge the gap and sort of get out of that cycle of hate to try to come together if that's possible? Just respect your, and it starts with yourself. Respect yourself, respect others. Um, we all want the same thing. We all want the same thing in life. We want a happy, healthy family life. We want to be able to provide for ourselves and our loved ones. We want to be part of a community that's prosperous and wealthy. Um, how we go about it, we all have different ideas and different visions um, to, to actually achieve that goal. But I think once we step back and realize that we're all the same, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of demographics, regardless of where you're from in the world, what your background is, what your religion is, um, I think we all want the same thing. We just have different ideas how to go about them, and we should uh, try and respect each other's ideas um, and uh, appreciate the diversity of ideas. We hear a lot about diversity and how diversity needs to be a good thing. And, you know, absolutely, diversity should be a good thing, but so should be ideas, diversity of ideas. Um, and we should respect each other and put these ideas in the court of public opinion, uh, in the free market of public opinion, and good ideas will prevail and survive. Bad ideas will go away. I agree. I think that's a beautiful thing to wrap up on. And I think finding common ground is something that you don't hear in the news necessarily from any political party as much. Sometimes they say it and then don't do it. But I think finding common ground is a good thing that can be beneficial. I don't think we have to be all one way or another in terms of a political party. I think that's how most people are. We just get a lot of news that's very polarized, which is a whole another discussion why that might be. And we'll have MC on again. MC is a financial expert. He's founder and president of Valhalla Wealth Financial. That's V-A-L-H-A-L-L wealth.com. His podcast is at cashflowninja.com. World-class billionaire investors, people that have done amazing things on that podcast. And he has, you can get uh, three of the top 10 books ever written on wealth building for free if you go to cashflowninja.com and enter your email and there's no catch behind that you just you get emails from mc it's free you listen to his podcast it's free subscribe on itunes that'll help him out and it's been an honor we hope to have you back thank you so much mc for joining us today Thank you so much for having me on, and it's been a fantastic experience, and thank you for your listeners and viewers for listening and watching us. Sure, and if you want to see more, our YouTube's youtube.com forward slash Believe Loves You, and subscribe on iTunes at believeitunes.com, and of course, our site is believe.love. I'm Nicholas Upchurch. Have a great day, everybody.